Well, good morning, and thank you for being part of Mariners. I'm really glad that you're here. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, it's good to be back. I was off a week. I had some shoulder surgery, it's hard to say, and it went just fine, and and it's a good thing um, because football season is coming, and I need to get into football shape, you know, uh, the the whole, whole deal. And, and I mean, the, the whole thing was cool. My bicep turned really cool purple, and it's now getting green, you know. And I've got some good scars here. So I was thinking, what's the downside to this? You know, I'm feeling better. And, and so it actually worked out really, really well. Bible says to us, for I want you to understand what really matters. And I like, I like that when I read that, um, because sometimes I forget what really matters in life. School starts... This week for our school district, and uh, work gets busy, and bills come in, and kids get sick, and we sometimes get so caught up in so many different things that it is very nice, very needy, essential to be reminded of, of what really matters. And that's what we're going to spend a few minutes talking about. Can we, can we pray and ask God to bless these moments together? So, Jesus, thank you. Um, Savior, you are the Almighty God. And you come to meet us here, and by your Spirit's power and work, may um, we go away changed, focused on what you want us to be focused on, living the way you want us to live, in Jesus' name, amen. We're in a series we are calling Unstoppable, and we call it that because the movement that Jesus started is not going to last, it's not going to stop, it can't stop. Nothing will ever stop it. He said the gates of hell can't overcome it. Bible's book called Acts talks about this thing called the church, and, and, and we're, we're, we're part of it. When you read the book of Acts, as you move through the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the story of the life of Jesus and everything that he did. And then you kind of want to say when you're done with that, well, what's next? And the book of Acts is what's next. And what happened is it took a group of 12 and then it turned into a group of 100 followers of Christ who had accepted him personally and had life change happen. And that jumped up and ballooned to 3,000 and then eventually 3 million and more as it spread throughout the whole, the whole known world all the way down to us. And there's stories in the book of Acts and there's life lessons for us to really grasp and understand. God had plans for the believers, um, and persecution began to happen to them as we looked at the book of, of, of Acts, and people had to just scoot, leave. They had to leave everything behind, absolutely everything, because of the persecution for their faith in Christ. And they thought, oh, you think, kind of, oh man, how bad that must be. But God had his other plans, and these believers who thought they lost everything gained everything as they went to other places and began to talk about their faith. And all of a sudden, what they thought persecution to shut this thing down, actually what it did is it just simply spread this wonderful stain of Jesus all over the place. And these people began to understand what really, what, what really matters. And more and more people followed Christ. The book of Acts in Acts chapter 16 says this, Paul, he was one of the guys that was, was spreading Jesus around, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now, apart from not necessarily needing to know where those places are, my response to this verse is, what? You know, what do you mean being kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word? What are they talking about? 
having been kept by the Holy Spirit. What does it even mean? And 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 why? And how does how does that work? I mean, did their did their did their circumstances all of a sudden just shift? Did their horse break down and lose their passport? You know, did they miss the last bus to Asia? I, I mean, I mean, how did it happen that all of a sudden God's Spirit said no? And then it goes on. It says this. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. And again, we ask the question, why? You know, and, and, and I'm not sure how the Holy Spirit did it. Either it was an impression or circumstances <coughs> or things didn't work out right. But wherever it was, the Spirit of Jesus was saying to them, no. Then, then we begin to understand. It says, that night Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And I guess the Holy Spirit principle in this is as you open your life up more and more to God and say, you know, the best ability I have is availability. Uh, I want to do something for you, God. Then things open and things close. When you say to God, God, today is my day to live for you. This week is my week to live for you. This life is my life to live for you. And whatever it takes for me to live for you, then God begins to open and, and, and close things. Um, I brought a bunch of book home, books home when I was you know, going to go through this surgery thing, and, and fascinating book. And I read this one every three or four or five years. Um, and, and it is about a, a kid who at 14 years old, he, he really experienced Christ, came to know Christ, been going to church all his life, thought there's got to be more, there's got to be more of this than just simply going to church. And, and he encountered Jesus reading his New Testament. He really understood everything that God had planned for him through Jesus Christ. And he experienced what we will call salvation. He accepted Jesus personally and had a personal relationship now with, with God. 14 years old. Tried to tell people they didn't quite understand it, quite didn't quite get it, and he was just racking his brain on that one. And he heard a, a, a missionary at, his, at another church speak about uh, South America, and he felt in his heart a call to go there. And, I, and he tries to explain it. He just felt like this is where God wants me to be. And so at 19, he takes off with 75 bucks and flies down to Venezuela. And after a few months, he... He walks into the jungle with only the clothes on his back and a, and a Bible and a donkey and a few meager supplies. Two and a half years later, he comes out having encountered several Stone Age tribes, beginning a relationship with them that has continued to this day. And he's now in his 70s, and he has led thousands and thousands to Christ. And those thousands have led thousands more. all kinds of challenges. God did incredible things. And so I, I guess I'd say, surrender and listen. Surrender and listen. You know, surrender and listen. Surrender to God every day and listen to what he's calling you to do. Paul was like that, and, and so Paul and his friends are, are called to Macedonia. Now, I would guess, I mean, I would just assume that if I were to have a vision, you know, you know, come to, you know, come to 
Kauai, you know, which I wish, well, that would be my vision, you know, come to Kauai. Then when I get there, if I were to see something that big and magnificent, I would assume that there's going to be a big tent revival going on there, you know, or thousands are going to flock into a stadium to hear me come and speak, you know, huge crowds come. So let's see what goes on here, okay, with this big, great call. It says, we reach Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony, and we stayed there several days. Um, so it's going to say several days. He'll stay there about five, six days maybe. Um, so what's going to happen in those several days? It says, on the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. And here he's going to meet the first person in this great, huge, big tent revival. What really matters, number one, it says, one of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth, who worship God. Now, there's some description here about this person named, named, named Lydia. And, and I pick up from this, first of all, if she's a merchant of expensive cloth, um, I figure she's got some money here. She not only has a house in Philippi, she has a house in Thyatira, and she probably has you know offices in New York and San Francisco and London. I mean, she's that kind of a person, okay? We're talking about somebody who has um, high wealth, Purple cloth, expensive. She's a, like a clothes designer, fashionista, you know. Um, you remember that show, Project Runway? Remember that show? I used to watch that. You know that? I had to admit. <laughs> you know, I used to like it. But, you know, they'd bring in fashion designers, and they'd be there on the panel, the panel of judges. She's like that, okay? That high up. I mean, we're talking about the elite of the social standing. She would wear the best, you know, Jimmy Choo and Gucci and Carhartt, you know, all the really cool things that you can wear. <laughs> She was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. Now, check out the last line. She worshipped God, and she worshipped God best she knew how, best she could, but it means something was going on inside, that she was rejecting a lot of the just the kind of the bogus, funny stuff that was going around in the world. And she said, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to this God. There's got to be a personal connection with God that I would want. And she's a seeker. Some of you are seekers, and that's an incredible thing because God has promised that he will reward those who seek after him diligently. And God reveals himself more and more to her. And this was her time. It says, as she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. Isn't that cool? What matters most, number two, is like the total opposite. It says, one day, this may be a day or afterwards, one day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. And now we're a little freaked, you know. We're a little freaked about this one. Um, we've moved from Project Runway to Zombieland. You know, we're talking about a demon-possessed slave girl here. Okay, the entire opposite of, of Lydia from Thyatira. She's a slave, she's someone's property, she's been bought and she's been sold, she's demon-possessed, that means she's crazy nuts. What she did is even weirder. It says she was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. There's a bunch of guys that have invested in her, invested in her life, you know, because they're making so much money out of, out of her. She's a valuable commodity, slave girl, bought and sold, traded. She's been human trafficked around. It says, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. And I don't know how she said it, you know, because it's going to eventually annoy Paul enough. 
whether she said it sarcastically or mocking or taunting, or maybe she just wouldn't shut up. I don't know. But she was a slave girl owned by others, tormented by demons, and exploited and trafficked by her owners. So this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it it left her. So, so far, this big tent revival, this huge, big call of God has gone to a a very rich woman and a demon-possessed slave girl. Let's move to the third, what matters, and and I'm going to do a little bit of reading here because these stories now blend together. Her master's hope of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities of the marketplace. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. So you got the picture of beaten with baseball bats and, and, and whips and put in stocks in some inner prison. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Okay, he's in jail. He's singing. It's, 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 are you ready for this? This is the first jailhouse rock. Okay, I had to say it, I had to say it. So they're singing songs of worship, and they're singing songs of praise, in spite of their circumstances. And this is one of those Holy Spirit things, that joy can happen on the inside, even though things are really falling apart on the outside. Suddenly there's a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations, and all the doors immediately flew open. Chains of every prisoner fell off. Now, that's good news if you're the prisoner, bad news if you're the jailer. Um, If jailer, you have to suffer for their crimes. That's just the contract that you have with the government. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open, and he assumed the prisoners had escaped. He drew his sword to kill himself, because that's what they're going to do, torture and kill him. He might as well do it himself. Paul shouted, stop, don't kill yourself. We're all right here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved along with everybody in your household. And there it is. It's not religion. Just be religious in your own way. And it's not just live a good life, live a better life now, or find God wherever you can. It's very clear. Because the time now God has made it and revealed it's very clear. Believe in the Lord Jesus. Jesus' death on the cross to be punished for our wrongs, our sins. All the stupid stuff we've done. It says they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. And then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. And he brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Isn't that cool? Isn't that a great story? You know, a great story of one kind of moves to the other. Now, now remember this. Paul had this vision to come to Macedonia, and he's been there a total of maybe five or, or six days. And I'm going to read the next part just only to, to tie up this story pretty well. It says this. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said, you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. You know, kind of just 
leave quietly. Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without a trial, put us in prison, we're Roman citizens. Now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. They came to the jail, apologized, brought them out, begged them to leave the city. Paul and Silas left the prison. They returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. Now, now, who, who did they meet with? Well, of course, Lydia was there, you know, in her, in her beautiful home, you know, overlooking the river. Maybe a couple of her dress designers. And as they're meeting, in walks a little girl who two days before had been demon-possessed, owned by others. A few minutes later, in walks his big jailer and his family and his teenage sons and daughters, you know, who sit down and listen to Paul. And Paul encourages them, maybe 10, 12 people, and then leaves. Now, a few years later, Paul is going to write a letter to these people, to this place, this city called Philippi, and, and you can read that letter, actually. It's in your Bible. It's called the book or the letter to the Philippians. So Paul is writing now to these people who had this experience, a jailer, a slave girl, Lydia, and those that they began to talk to. And every time you read Philippians and every time you go through it, think of the jailer, a demon-possessed girl, and Lydia. And this is what he writes to them. He says, I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus. What does he call them? He calls them holy. He says, you are holy. When I think of holy, I I think of people that are too good to be true. Never do anything wrong. I've lived this spotless life, you know, their, their whole life. Paul's calling a a demon-possessed slave girl holy and a jailer who spent his whole life, his contract, he makes his money out of beating people to a pulp and throwing them in prison. And Lydia, who has everything that she wanted, gave it all up for Christ, calls him holy. Have you ever seen those those pictures called People of Walmart? Have any of you ever looked at those? Any of you ever looked at those? Y'all have, don't lie. You know, people, people of Walmart. And, and, and it was, you can see them on the internet, people of Walmart. For some reason, Walmart, I guess, attracts people that dress weird and look weird. You, you, you know, people, and this way you can have these big, they have album, people of Walmart, people of Walmart, and people that are massive or huge or dressed really crazy weird, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and you look at those and you think, who are these people, you know? And, and, and why are they doing, why do they dress the way they dress? What's going on in their brain? So I, I had surgery, you know, the other week, and, and, and um, before you go, you go into surgery, um, they, they put these, if you've had surgery lately, you know, they put these nylon stockings on you. Have you, ever, have you had that? Have you know that? You know that, to those of you that do, these white nylon stockings, they, they put them on, you know, they're putting all these things, these things up here. I hate to admit it, they feel really good, okay? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm thinking, I get used to this, you know, now white nylon stockings, because they're starting to make me a little loopy anyway. And, and anyway, um, um, we, get, we get home, and I'm wearing my nylons, you know, and I got baggy gym shorts on and a T-shirt. Better remember what I said, but Lisa says I wanted to go for a walk, you know, because I'm feeling so good, you know. <laughs> I got flip-flops on, nylons, you know, and baggy gym shorts, white nylons on. 
And she said, well, like, like this? You want to go like this? I said, sure, 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 why not? Because I, I don't want to put anything over my legs. And she's thinking, she's thinking, no way. And I finally realized I'm, I'm not quite all there, you know. I'm not quite, there, there's some things that are kind of missing up there in the old brain here. And, and so I finally said to her, Lisa, don't let me do anything stupid, you know. I just don't want to do anything stupid. And, and, and whether it's Walmart or whether it's, you know, my house, there are people who do things that are stupid. You know, we just do. And, and one of my greatest sins, the great sin that I have, is I use their dumbness to make jokes about and feel my ego. Okay? I do that. I look for people or I wait for a person to do something dumb or stupid or who's dressed dumb or stupid or looks dumb or stupid. And if I can make a funny comment about it, man, do I feel good about What really matters? People really matter. The most important thing that God has ever created and made are people. The most important thing. Two things are going to last for forever. Two things on this earth right now will last forever. One is the Word of God, the Bible. It will never pass. The Word of God, the Bible is so important, it's never going to go away. Jesus said, my words will never, ever pass away. Number one is the Bible. Number two, people. People will last forever. Each one designed by God, each one eternal, created by God to last forever. C.S. Lewis writes this. I was, I was reading this, and his words are sometimes big. Follow along. He says, there are no ordinary people. You've never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals, people, whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. It is a serious thing to live in a society and to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature who, if you saw it now, would be strongly tempted to worship. It's in his essay called the weight of glory, talking about the forever. People are forever. Um, last evening, I was walking here. Um, I was walking here um, for our services, our Saturday night service. And, and as I'm going down, I'm, I'm, I'm walking along the trail along Highway 1, and um, a guy was coming by on a bicycle. And, um, you know, uh, you know I, didn't, I didn't know him. And, and there's, um, there's, there's two kinds of nods that guys give, you know, if you notice. There's the up, and then there's the down, Okay. If you know them, it's up, you know, hey, you know, hey. If you don't know them, it's down, you know, it's down. So just for you teenagers here, just to learn, you know, if, if I see, you know, yeah, it's up, down. So that's the way it goes. I didn't know him, so it was down, you know, just kind of like down. Yeah, hey, yeah. And he smiled and, and nodded back to me. He was just a guy on a bike coming back home from work or whatever else. We probably didn't even speak much the same language that, that I know of. Um, but he wasn't just a guy on a bike, you understand? Knowing where I was going with this one, I thought, this man will live for eternity. Perfectly designed by God. Completely created exactly the way God wanted him to be. Placed here on this coast side, in this age, in this time. God knows his every step. God knows his every breath. God knows his every thought. God knows his every sin. The Bible says God knows his every tear. Every tear he's cried. 
God knows and God cares and God loves him. Who am I to just think he's just another person that I'm passing by on the street? You follow? What really mattered? You know, we kind of think, man, what's really going to matter when Paul goes to Philippi if he's going to get this kind of a calling? What's really going to matter is the big revival. The big church is going to be built. You know, the big buildings that are going to happen and the programs that are going to launch. And God said, I'm going to take a couple of my guys and I'm going to send them to Philippi because they need to understand what really matters. What really matters would be Lydia, seller of expensive purple cloth, demon-possessed slave girl who's just caught, and a jailer. Just a jailer who beats people for a living. Those matter to me. Because those people live for eternity. And the people that you are going to go to school with and the people that you're going to sit next to in class, you're going to sit down and the teacher's going to give you the class assignment, the seating assignment, and you're going to go, oh, great, why do I have to sit next to that person? Understand, that person that you're sitting next to is going to live forever. Perfectly designed by God, loved by God deeper than you could ever imagine. Person behind you in traffic that's flashing his lights at you, perfectly designed by God. People in your household, those around you that you work with, that you play with. That's what really matters. And that's why God calls us. And that's why God called you. And Paul said, man, I understand this. I grasp this. I know it really matters. I want to open my life. Holy Spirit, show me where to go. Direct my path. I want to be open to you. And God closes doors, and then God opens doors, and we go through, and we're not ashamed of what God's called us to talk about, our life in Christ. That's what we do. That's why you're here. That's what really matters. Worship team, would you guys come on up, please? Pray with me, please. Do you mind bowing for just a second? If you're here and Jesus isn't real to you, we would love to talk to you about him. We would love to. There are people in the prayer room to my left that are there and outside in the lobby at the Welcome Center. If you're saying, okay, I need to kind of grasp this Jesus thing a little bit better. Can we help you? Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. We were all there. Maybe, maybe your sin is like mine trying to exploit the flaws in people. God forgive us for that. Help us to love them more and more and more. See them as you see them. And Father, I would pray that you would call us. You would call us to where you want us to be and some here may be sensing a call to go to a different place change a whole different lifestyle to serve people that really matter and God use us as a body but use me as an individual to do that God this is a day you've made and we can rejoice in it and you have plans for us opportunities for us help them to see them led by your Holy Spirit we thank you in Jesus name Hey, thank you for being here um, this morning. I'm glad that you came. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. Would you please stand? And there are going to be people here you haven't met yet after this last song.
Make sure you introduce yourself to them. God bless you guys. Have a terrific week. Thank <laughs> you.